0: Hello, welcome to a new episode of our podcast on rare diseases and more specifically on Fabry disease. Today we're at the University Hospital of Ghent and as always with our host, Katrien van Elk. I want to introduce you to Dr. Dimitri Hemelzoet and Dr. Jelle de Meester. Dr. Hemelzoet is a neurologist in UZ Gent and Fabry specialist also being a member of the PROSA team, supporting and supervising patients with rare diseases. Dr. De Meestere is a neurologist in UZ Leuven, specialised in the field of stroke with a special interest in Fabry disease. The format of this podcast is a discussion between the two doctors about the importance of early detection of Fabry disease. We will elaborate on who and how to screen as well as what to do in case of a diagnosis. Hello Dr. Hemelzoet and Dr. De Meester.
1: Hi Katrin. Hello Katrin.
0: First of all, I would like to thank you for your commitment to create this podcast in which we want to explain to neurologists why they are important in the diagnostic process of patients with Fabry disease. And this brings me to my first question, Dr. De Meestere. Can you tell us exactly what Fabry disease is?
2: Hi. Yeah, of course. Um, Fabry disease is a genetic lysosomal storage disorder that results in the accumulation of glycosphingolipids in a wide variety of cells. It's caused by mutations in the GLA gene, which codes for an enzyme called alpha-galactosidase, or alpha-gal-A. This enzyme normally breaks down glycosfingolipids into smaller parts, which are then recycled or further degraded. And without alpha-gal-A, these glycosfingolipids build up in the lysosomes, which has cytotoxic, pro-inflammatory, and profibrotic effects. Fabry disease is genetic and has X-linked inheritance, but it can affect both male and female carriers of the mutation. More than a 1,000 different mutations in the GLA gene have been described, but all mutations result in a somewhat variable deficiency of alpha-galactosidase. Clinically significant disease then only occurs when alpha-galactosidase activity drops below 30 to 35% of normal. Both classic and atypical forms of the disease have also been described, and classic forms usually start in childhood, whereas atypical forms start later in life. In men with classic forms of the disease, the enzyme activity is almost always less than one percent, but the atypical variants and affected women have higher remaining enzyme activity. And because of that residual enzyme activity, patients with atypical variants typically present later uh, in life. Although it's a rare disease, it's the second most common lysosomal storage disorder after Gaucher disease, and the prevalence is somewhere between 1 in 8,500 and 1 in 117,000 in males. The disease prevalence is, is probably underestimated though, since symptoms can be very aspecific and the diagnosis is often overlooked, especially in women or in patients who present with a delayed disease onset.
0: Dr. Hemelsut, how would a typical patient with Fabry disease present and what is the role of the neurologist here?
1: Fabry disease is a multisystemic complex disorder with a progressive disease course that may start early in, uh, during early childhood. The classic form is seen both in males and females females, but um, although manifestations are often less severe in females and disease progression is generally delayed compared with males in a classic male patient uh, symptoms start uh, most of the time during childhood. Early symptoms may arise during. early years, including acroparesthesia, which is a tingling and pins and needles feeling in the hands or feet, but also generalized pain with so-called Fabry disease crisis, which are episodes of intense body pain, can occur together with impaired sweating or dyshidrosis. And uh, most of the male patients have also a history of exercise and heat intolerance and tiredness. Um, Children are often so-called lazy children and have problems doing uh, sports at school, for instance. Um, other typical symptoms include ophthalmological abnormalities, including the uh, cornea verticillata, which is something that the ophthalmologist uh, uh, can recognize during his examination. And later, during the early uh, adulthood, symptoms and signs become worse, including neuropathic pain and lar- major organ involvement, um, including uh, heart problems, kidney problems, and uh, neurological problems, um, typically cerebrovascular complications like stroke and TIA and later on during the 3rd and 4th decades major organ involvement increases with severe cardiac renal and cerebral uh, complications leading to early death so fabry disease may present as a typical classic fabry disease uh, due to s- typical mutations but there are also atypical variants that cause a late onset uh, disease form and in both types uh, neurological symptoms uh, may arise So the role of the neurologist is to recognize uh, on the one side um, symptoms uh, regarding neuropathic pain and on the other hand problems that are uh, cerebrovascular complications with stroke and TIA.
2: So uh, Dimitri, you said painful neuropathy is often a presenting symptom of Fabry disease. Given that neuropathy is common and Fabry disease is rare, when would you consider screening for the disease in, in those patients?
1: So, neuropathy is a general term for conditions that involve damage to the peripheral nerves. And we can discriminate two types of neuropathy the so called large fiber neuropathy and the small fiber neuropathy. Large fiber neuropathy is a neuropathy that primarily affects the large nerve fibers, as the name suggests. And these fibers are responsible for transmitting sensations uh, related to vibration, proprioception and touch uh, on the sensory level. And small fiber neuropathy uh, primarily affects uh, small nerve fibers um, that are responsible for transmitting pain and temperature sensations, as well as autonomic functions like regulating blood pressure and sweating. So, if we encounter a patient with neuropathic pain uh, complaints, we first have to discriminate whether there's a small fiber neuropathy involvement or a large fiber neuropathy. Um, And of course, there are many possible causes of neuropathy. So first, we have to look for the most common causes for neuropathy, like diabetes or other systemic disorders. But if there is no clear explanation and we do some ancillary examinations uh, excluding large fiber neuropathy, um, then we can come to a diagnosis of a small fiber neuropathy and then If there is no other explanation, we have to think about Fabry disease as a possible uh, explanation. Dr. de Miestere,
0: stroke seems to be another common symptom of Fabry disease. Much like neuropathy, stroke is very common. Is there a way to narrow down which stroke patients should be screened for Fabry disease?
2: Well, stroke is indeed very common. And interestingly, Fabry disease may cause stroke by a variety of mechanisms. First, the accumulation of glycosphingolipids happens in several cells and tissue types, but especially pronounced in the vascular endothelium, vascular smooth muscle cells, and parasites. And this accumulation causes a vasculopathy of the brain, both of large and small blood vessels, which then leads to progressive blood vessel narrowing and to abnormal reactivity of the endothelium, which ultimately causes blood vessel occlusion. And many patients also have other blood vessel abnormalities, such as dolic ectasia which are long and dilated blood vessels. And although both the anterior and posterior circulation can be affected, there seems to be a predominance for the vertebro-basilar system. And a the second mechanism by which Fabry disease may cause stroke is cardiac involvement, which happens later in life. So patients with Fabry disease are predisposed to cardiomyopathy, to valvular disease and to ischemic heart disease, but also arrhythmias, which all could potentially lead to embolism to the brain. And a third reason by which Fabry disease is increasing stroke risk is by influencing stroke risk factors. Renal involvement due to Fabry disease may may lead to hypertension. And hypertension is the leading risk factor for ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke and also uh, causes the accumulation of chronic small vessel disease in the brain, such as lesions of the white matter, which may then present with atypical symptoms such as cognitive decline or behavioral changes. Now, the median onset for cerebral vascular disease is slightly later than for other neurological manifestations, such as the neuropathy that we already talked about, and the mean onset age is around 30 to 40 years old. So therefore, in younger patients with a vasculopathy, an unexplained cardiac disease or small vessel disease, the diagnosis of Fabry disease always should be considered. But I believe we also should keep the diagnosis in mind in older patients when the cause of stroke is unexplained or the burden of vascular lesions seems to be disproportionate to the vascular risk factors.
0: Now, how would you approach a patient in whom you suspect Fabry disease? Uh, what do you focus on during history and clinical examination?
1: So, first, the clinical suspicion of Fabry disease begins with the identification of characteristical signs and symptoms, such as unexplained uh, neuropathic pain, um, unexplained stroke, unexplained um, cardiac problems, but also more subtle uh, symptoms like an inspection of the body with angiokeratoma. Uh, an, oral, an ophthalmologist who uh, mentions uh, cornea verticillata and cataracts uh, or general complaints like problems with sweating or exercise intolerance uh, should raise suspicion for a possible uh, Fabry disease. So a good personal history going farther than only the neurological complaints is very important, even in children and adolescents, but also, as Jelle mentioned, uh, even in older patients with unexplained uh, complaints. At an older age, the unexplained major organ problems are often attributed to other more general causes like hypertension or diabetes, uh, or something that runs in the family in general. So it may not be sufficient to explain the problem itself. And in, the, in those people uh, with that kind of symptoms and problems, you should think of a more rare disease, especially in this case, of uh, fibroid disease. It is important to think about Fabry disease uh, in case of isolated signs or symptoms that uh, are unexplained, but especially if people have two or more uh, uh, problems that uh, lack a a good explanation, Fabry disease needs to be considered in the differential uh, diagnosis and has to be ruled out. On the neurological level, we have to think about three major complaints, I think, of our problems. That are the, the pain uh, complaints and exercise intolerance due to the neuropathy. As Yala mentioned, also the stroke-related uh, problems. But there are also other more rare presentations on a neurological level um, reflecting a more aggressive clinical form for instance uh, patients who uh, suffer from aseptic meningitis or had a kind of multiple sclerosis like um syndrome with relapsing symptoms and with on the brain MRI uh, white matter lesions that are um, considered as a possible multiple sclerosis uh, without a definite diagnosis. Um, And of course, next to the general clinical examination, as I mentioned before, it's important to have an inspection of your patients to look at skin abnormalities like the angiocaryotoma. Um, Some male patients have a kind of uh, characteristic Farbre disease-related coarse fascias, um, which may uh, make can make you think of Fabry disease. So these are important things. And on a third level, I think it's very important to ask for the family history. Next, to the, the, the single patient or the index patients, uh, his or her problems... Uh, a positive family history of Fabri disease-related uh, symptoms or signs are, is very important. So if you have a patient with a certain problem and there's unexplained or even explained, so-called explained kidney disease or uh, cardiac disease, it might be uh, useful to make a family tree Write down the family history and look for a possible X-linked uh, transmission to the family and um, gather to uh, all the symptoms. And maybe you can have a clue for a genetic disorder like Fabry disease. So
2: Dimitri, is it known why uh, female patients can be affected because they have one healthy X chromosome? So why do they still get symptoms of the disease?
1: Yes, uh, we know why this is happening. Female carriers may manifest usually mild features of an X-linked recessive condition like Fabry disease due to so-called skewed X, X chromosome inactivation. Uh, that X inactivation is a normal phenomenon in women where one of the two X chromosomes in each cell is shut down by epigenetic silencing to avoid X chromosome genes being expressed at double the dosage of that in males. It is usually random in in each individual cell, as to which X chromosome is inactivated. The X chromosomes are inherited from the mother or inherited from the father, and in each cell, one of the X chromosomes is inactivated in a random way. So overall, there's usual around 50-50 expression of each uh, X chromosome in a cell in a female patient. By various mechanisms, however, including some cases because of a variant on the X chromosome, this X inactivation can be skewed which means that in the case of an X-length condition, this can lead to decreased expression of the normal wild-type allele, causing female carriers to manifest features that can be severe of the condition.
2: So in a child of affected parents, what is the chance that the child will inherit the disease?
1: So, We need to consider the two possible conditions uh, either the child has inherited the X chromosome from the father or from the mother. So when the father is a Fabry patient and has the condition, um, he will transmit Uh, one of his sex chromosomes, the X or the Y, to his child. So a man who carries a pathogenic variant of an X-length recessive condition will be affected himself, and males pass on their Y chromosome to their sons. That means that their sons won't have the disease um, because it's an X-length recessive condition from their affected father, and each son of the affected father receives only the Y chromosome that son receives the X chromosome from the mother who is supposed to be unaffected. Daughters from an affected man, however, always inherit their father's X chromosome, and so all daughters from that man, the male patient, will be carriers of the X-linked condition uh, that their father has. When the mother is a carrier of the, of the condition, so she might have problems, symptoms or not, or even not, Um, Females uh, rarely show signs of the X-linked recessive condition, but they can transmit the affected gene to their uh, offspring. When a mother is a carrier for X-linked recessive condition, each daughter has a 1 in 2 or 50% chance of being a carrier for the same condition, because the mother either um, transmits the affected X chromosome or the normal X chromosome but each son also has 50% chance of inheriting the disease causing gene variant and if he receives the pathogenic variant um, he o- will be a patient that will be affected by the disease as men have only one x chromosome
0: and what about patients with uh, late onset symptoms uh, should we suspect them of possibly having fabry disease
2: Well, older age certainly doesn't rule out Fabry disease. Uh, As mentioned in the beginning of this episode, um, classic Fabry disease in men who have very low or even absent alpha-galactosidase enzyme activity usually presents early in life, by the age of 10 and almost always before the age of 20. However, there's a number of reasons why patients may present much later in life. So first, we talked about atypical forms of the disease. Um, They present much later due to the presence of residual enzyme activity. And their first symptoms occur somewhere between 20, but even up to 70 uh, years old. Typical symptoms of Fabry disease, however, are often not not present before their 60th. So in many of these patients, only one organ uh, system is affected. So commonly, they would present, for instance, as a later onset cardiac disease. And second, as uh, Dimitri just discussed, in uh, female carriers or heterozygous women, the phenotype is very variable. Uh, So that means that although the age of onset in women is somewhat similar to that of men, uh, symptom prevalence at any given age tends to be lower, which often leads to a diagnostic delay. Uh, Cerebrovascular disease usually presents uh, about one decade later in women than in men, as Dimitri already told us. Um, A third reason why patients may only present late is that many patients have aspecific symptoms that aren't recognized by clinicians, and and those can be present many years prior to the diagnosis. And those aspecific manifestations could, for instance, be heat or cold intolerance or exercise intolerance, decreased sweating, dry mouth or dry eyes, chronic fatigue, and so on. And this is especially the case in women and atypical forms of the disease, which usually do not exhibit the full clinical spectrum. So and Lastly, it also depends on the symptom the patient presents with. For instance, symptoms consistent with small fiber polyneuropathy tend to be present much earlier than cerebrovascular disease. So a vascular neurologist, for instance, needs to be aware that the first time they may encounter a patient with a possible Fabry disease will likely not be during childhood. So basically, the diagnosis of a possible Fabry disease should always be on our mind, irrespective of the age of the patient. And diagnostic testing for neurologists should be considered in all patients with neuropathic pain, symptoms of small fiber, polyneuropathy, or stroke of unknown etiology, especially if other manifestations or the disease or a family history are present.
0: Okay, based on these insights, so we learned more about the pathophysiology of Fabry disease and the role of the neurologist. listened to the first part of this podcast on how neurologists can detect fabri patients if you're eager to learn more about testing for Fabry and how a neurologist can do that in daily practice well then you cannot miss the second part of the discussion with dr hemelsut and dr demistera